Um, youth group and prayer meeting tonight, youth group 5 p.m., prayer meeting 5.30. There is a VBS flyer in your bulletin. If you could take a look at it. Have any questions, please speak to Sarah English. We would like to uh, thank everyone that participated yesterday in the chili cook-off, whether you donated or brought chili or uh, just came and ate. Uh, it was an awesome time. Uh, we do have our, a visitor with us this morning. He's kind of dressed in camouflage orange there to match, but um, we hit our $1,000 goal, praise the Lord, and so Steve Bordner shaved his beard, and you can see him there. And if you weren't sure, you weren't sure, so tell him how you, we met the goal. Yeah, so we were, we were about $205 short, I think, at the last minute, and Steve's sister came in. And, uh, and she says, how short are you? She said, I'll write a check. I'll write a check. So I told her, 205 she said, I'll be right back. So that is, so we hit the limit. Uh, maybe I should have said we were $300 short, right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We, we wouldn't do that. No, we're so thankful. Man, what an what a, what a answer to prayer and a praise. And, uh, it, just was a, it just was a great time. It was a lot of fun. 18 different kinds of chili, 18, and they all were delicious. Um, so would you pray with me uh, as we begin our service this morning? God, you are so good, and we're so thankful uh, for your love for us. Lord, we are so uh, thankful, Lord, to have Gary with us this morning. Lord, we ask that you would uh, just bless him and his ministry. Lord, we ask that as we... Uh, enter into this service this morning, Lord, that you would speak your truth to us. Father, may it not be what we want to hear necessarily, but what you want us to hear. Lord, may we see you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us as we worship the Lord together? Jesus said 
us into something that we don't want to do, um, but we have to follow. And even when the sea is calm and all is right, I'll follow. When the boat is tossed upon the waves, I will follow. When the wicked are prospering and I have no voice to sing, I will follow. When I find myself far from home, somewhere I don't want to go, I will follow. And when I come to end this race I've run, I will follow. When the sea is calm and all is right When I feel your favor flood my life Even in the good I'll follow you Even in the good I'll follow you When the boat is tossed upon the waves When I wonder if you'll keep me safe even in the storms, I'll follow you. Even in the storms, I'll follow you. I believe everything that you say you are. I believe and I have seen your unchanging heart in the good things and in the hardest part. I believe and I will follow you. I believe and I will follow you. When I see the wicked prospering, when I feel I have no voice to sing, even in the ones I'll follow you, even in the I believe everything that you say you 
Oh, do we? Okay, good. Oh, wow, good. <laughs> All right, well, let me mention a few things uh, that we need to pray for this morning. Um, please keep uh, Marlene Miller in your prayers. Um, she had a knee replaced uh, this past Tuesday, and so she's undergoing therapy at this time, so uh, please keep her in mind. Also, Drew Ozenbach uh, with Crew, uh, one of the missionaries we support, I understand that 
this morning at 10 o'clock. Uh, he's on a plane to Lebanon, and he'll be there for five to six weeks. Uh, so please keep Drew in your prayers. Um, also, I mentioned here, um, or I added to Gene and Joyce Hoffman. I, I got in to see them this week, and um, really there's no changes that are taking place there. Um, Joyce struggles to, you know, get around with her legs and so forth, but um, they mentioned to me, and I included it on your prayer list, uh, Jean is 92, Joyce is 90, and in August they will have been married 70 years. Um, they really do miss the church, and they really would like to get back, you know, if it's just one time. Uh, so when you think of Jean and Joyce, pray that somehow... You know, they'd wake up in the morning, feel good, legs strong, and be able to come. Jean does drive. Uh, it's just Joyce that, you know, struggles with her walking. So it would really be good to have them come again to join us in fellowship. Yes. She'll be not... On June the 9th, Joyce will be 91. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So maybe, uh, if you think about it, you want to send off a card to Joyce, uh, she would, I'm sure, greatly appreciate that. It's awfully good to have Wayne Mace back with us. As you know, he was um, away in Germany for a few months, and uh, he asked uh, to address you this morning. So Wayne, if you want to come up here, please, and Say what's on your mind, brother. Good to have you back. Yes, it's so good to have you back. Good morning. I forgot my notes, so I hope I remember what I wanted to say. But uh, first and foremost, happy birthday to my wife uh, today. She's. She's not the only birthday in the crowd, I found out, but I won't get anybody else in trouble. Um, I just wanted to say uh, thank you um, for everything you did while I was away. Um, when we leave, it's uh, tough. Um, we leave our families behind, as you know, and they become single parents. Um, so it's good to know that we have uh, uh, people like you who just pray for us and, and take care of us while we're away for whatever we need. So I thank you for all of that. Um, with that being said, you hear Pastor Tony mention about the podcast. Um, I downloaded the podcast before I had left. And whether I was in Germany or over the Mediterranean or down in Africa, I was able to hear your voices and hear Pastor Bob's sermons and Pastor Tony and the praise band. And those little pieces of home go a long way. Amen. Um, so I appreciate that. Um, let's see. A little bit of what we did. I can't talk about a whole lot. But uh, so um, I was asked to go on this mission outside my normal unit. Um, didn't really realize what I was getting into until I got over there. And it's an amazing mission. Um, Africa, seven million square miles. Um, and uh, a lot of the insurgents and stuff are taking advantage of that wide open area, you know, bribing the locals and trying to breed grounds to, you know, come over and attack us. So mainly what we did is we uh, interrupted their breeding grounds um, with uh, counterinsurgent military operations uh, with special forces. So. It's about all I can talk about, but the good work's going on over there, and I just want you all to know that regardless of what you hear in the news, um, it's good work. And if you have further questions, um, feel free to ask me, and I'll tell you, tell you what I can. 
Um, but the main reason I come up, I just was uh, wanted to express my gratitude by uh, presenting um, this to Pastor Bob, and Pastor Tony, and, and the congregation. Um, I flew one of our combat flags that I wore um, when we flew down over Africa, and uh, I have a have this and the flag and a couple pictures. That I was able to share. So I just wanted to present that. Thank you. So that's for all of you for everything you've done while I was away. I appreciate it. Um, and uh, with, mil uh, with Memorial Day coming up, um, keep everybody in your prayers because there's a lot of things going on. Uh, the unit I was with I lost four soldiers back in October right before I got there. So um, there's things like that going on that we just don't know about. Um, but uh, keep keep our, keep keep the military families close at heart, and that's for all of you for everything. So thanks. I'll certainly uh, put this in. We'll put this somewhere on display where you'll be able to see it. And um, we certainly thank you, Wayne, for your service, and uh, just good to have you back. Uh, once again. So, Father, as we come before your throne this morning, we are a grateful people. Lord, you have done some amazing things among us. Uh, you are our God, and Lord, you protect us as your children. Father, we who are in your family, we are yours and you are ours. It's so good to know that wherever we are, whether it be here in Halifax or on the other side of the world, uh, Lord, you're always there with us and always there for us. And so this morning, Lord, we do want to commit to you, Drew Ozenbach. Father, we pray that, Lord, you would protect him on his way to Lebanon. Uh, we think, Lord, of uh, Gene and Joyce. We pray that you would grant them the ability to be able to come to church once again. Father, we think of Marlene. We pray in her recovery that Father would go quickly and speedily uh, help her father in the therapy she's in. And again, Father, we thank you for being with us today, this morning, where, Father, you are our wonderful and great God. So we commit this service to you, Father, thanking you that you have allowed us to come together. Lord, this is your church. We are your people. Father, we have come to see you in all of your glory, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Take your hymn books and turn with me to hymn number 480. Hymn number 480. And 80. We're going to sing a couple of these um, classic missionary hymns. Um, so we're going to start with Rescue the Perishing. <laughs> Rescue perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pit from sin and the grave. We bore the erring one, lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful, Jesus will save. Though they are sliding him, Still he is waiting, waiting, penitent child to receive. Please. 
more hymn 486 hymn number 486 we have heard the joyful sound we're going to sing stanza one and stanza four just those two one and four stand with me please let's sing stanzas one and stanza four seated. It is a joy this morning to have, this, to have with us once again uh, Gary Sims with Hope Aglow Ministries down in Lynchburg, Virginia. Uh, the mission, of course, is um, targeting uh, inmates. Their task is prison evangelism, and it's quite a unique ministry, and we're just thankful that Gary has uh, come to join us this morning. Uh, what a passion for uh, lost people he has. And so, Gary, as you're coming, God bless you. Thank you, young man. Now, you know that you're 65 and I'm almost 68. Wait. Thank you, young man. Well, see, I know that you're young because I'm young. <laughs> Amen. We're both young. Amen. Amen. 
Yeah, Moses didn't start the greater work till he was 80. Some of y'all get that in a second. Where uh, I, I always have to start out when I come up into Pennsylvania here. I am not from Pennsylvania. Have y'all picked up on that? Uh, I'll, I may get to talking too fast. If I get to talking too fast and you can't understand what I'm saying, just wave your hands. I'll slow down a little bit. I'll, uh, but I want to share something today. Maybe a little different. I want to really sort of talk to the young people. And that's anybody under 50. Uh, why has the prison population exploded like it has? Why are we having so many of the problems out in society? We know what happened in, in Texas uh, the last couple of times at the church and at the school, and then they had the problem, the shootings down in Florida. Why are so many of these things happening? A young lady asked me that question over there, and I, it was, it was, I felt it was sort of eerie because I knew what I already knew what God had put on my heart, and that just sort of confirmed some things that I wanted to share with you today. What, what's causing some of this? And, and what's causing our lack of, of a moral, I want to call it a moral center? What is the center of, of, of our lives? Who are we as people? And I, I want to share, maybe to put this in a little bit of a context, and this is not a, a, a political statement. This is, has nothing to do with any of that. This has, I just want to go back, and especially as we head into Memorial Day, as we head into the 4th of July, I begin to ponder. And I'm, I promise, my wife tells me I go all the way around the tree to make a point. Y'all hang with me. I'll get around the tree, and we'll try to draw it all back in here in just a little bit. How did America come about? You know, God has used America in so many ways, mightily around the world. And you know, America, we do prisons uh, different than anybody else. You know, the, the, one of the first prisons was started in Philadelphia, and, and we, we, it was to go and do penance. That's where penitentiary came from. Where people would go and do penance, and they would be, they, people from the church would go down till they repented of their sins. And things get a little more and more out of hand. I don't want to go down that road too far. We were, they were doing a really good job of causing and reaching out to people and sharing the gospel with them, repenting. And the government showed up one day and said, we want to help you. Now, folks, anytime the government shows up and says, we're here to help, run. <laughs> to take off running. <clears throat> but we, the way this prison system, if you ever want to read something very interested, uh, begin to look at how the prison system, because we do it different than most of the world. And we're not doing it very well. But over the last 40, 50 years, the prison population has exploded. I mean, it's just exploded. Why is that? Why have we, what's, what's caused so much of this? And I began to stop a while back, and, and you know how the Lord would do. He'll put something on your heart, and then begin to pull things together, at least he does in my mind. And I began to ask, how did America come about? How did this happen? You know, this is, this is a miracle, this thing we call America. And we've, we've sent out more missionaries. We've done more than, for the cause of Christ than, than any other land over, uh, historically. But what's happened? What, what's caused so much change? But how did this happen and how did it get started? And, and I begin to ponder how did, you know, back in, 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 in the 1600s, 1700s, people didn't have the communication systems like we have today. They didn't have the road system. They said it took Thomas Jefferson two full days to go from Charlottesville to Lynchburg. He had a summer home in Lynchburg, which is called Poplar Forest. It took him two full days travel to get from Charlottesville to Lynchburg. 
And I, I said, you know, these people, they begin to talk. They didn't, couldn't communicate. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have the phone system like we have. They didn't have this and that. How did they pull this off? How did, they, how did this happen? How did it happen? And, and, and I began to ponder. I said, you know, they met in communities. And it took a, it, they worked on this. And it was almost 20 years. They talked about it. And the year before they met in Philadelphia, they, met in, and they tried to meet in Annapolis, and that didn't happen. And when they, 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 they would meet in communities, and like, sort of like a group here at Halifax, and they would talk about how this was needed to be done, and the injustices, and that's happening, and you know, there's injustice in the world. There's nothing really changed in the world. And they said, you know, we can't go. The average person couldn't go to Philadelphia. The average person couldn't because they had farms to run. They had this happen. Only the wealthiest people could make, and I've learned these things, could, could go to Philadelphia. And because uh, they could leave people in charge of their, their farms and their businesses, and they went to represent the community. Then I asked myself, why in the world would the, the people who had it all, they had it all, they were wealthy. These, the people that went to Philadelphia were wealthy people. Because they, or they could leave their, their, their farms and their families. Why would you want to take the risk to do this? And, and when you got there, why would anybody even listen to you? I mean, really and truly, this, a lot of people don't want to hear this, but this is a fact. They, they were, in fact, committing treason against their country. As Ben Franklin told them, we had better hang together because if we don't, we will surely hang separately. Now, you know, some of y'all are wondering how this got anything to do with prisons. Hang with me. I'm about, just about a quarter away around the tree. They got there. They argued. They fought. And they debated what they were going to do. And this country was founded. Now, this country's never been perfect. There is no such thing as a perfect country. There is no such thing as a perfect church. I had a lot of guys tell me in the jail, says, when I get out, I'm going to find a, 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 a great church. I'm going to find this. I said, but don't, if you find, find the perfect church, don't join it because you'll mess it up. <laughs> These guys got there. They argued. They fought. And I said, they pledged their life. Who could you pledge your life to today? I'm not talking about any family. I'm talking who could you get in a group of people and pledge your life to today? I'm going to pledge, they pledged their fortunes, and their fortunes were great. Their fortunes were great. There was a man uh, named Morris who lived part of the time in Pennsylvania and part of the time in uh, Virginia, and John Hancock. John Hancock was the Bill Gates of that time. Bill Ga but John Hancock had so much money, he and this guy named Morris almost single-handedly financed the Revolutionary War. There was no government to pay for the provisions. Somebody had to pay for all those provisions. What possessed these men when they came together? I mean, some came from Georgia, some came from Pennsylvania, some came from Rhode Island, some came from Virginia, some came from North Carolina. They came from all over the place. They came together. They, they really didn't know each other all that well. They really didn't know each other all that well. But when they got there, somebody said, oh, that's Ben Franklin, that's Benjamin Rush, that's you know, whoever. Because they didn't have the Kodak like we have. They didn't have pictures. Some of y'all, some of the young folks don't get that thing on the Kodak. <laughs> Grandma used to say, get out the Kodak. Make a picture. They really didn't know each other all that well. But when they got there, they debated. They pledged their life, their fortunes, 
and their sacred honor. Sacred honor to each other. And you know what? They meant it. They meant it. I've had a number of people tell me, said, you know, my granddaddy, some of you in this room have heard this right here, something similar to this. You know, your granddaddy bought this place and he bought it with a, a handshake. A man and a woman's word used to mean something. It meant something. It really did. I was talking to a young man in jail, and he said, you know, I, t- I shared that little bit with him. He said, I grew up in, 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 in Washington, D.C., and my mother was up there, and my daddy was gone, and in the summertime, I would always have to go to my grandmother's farm to help her because mother had to work, and my daddy wasn't around. And when I got to the farm, you know, I'd have to go down there and help her because mama didn't want me running the streets. So when I got to the farm one time, my grandmother looked over at me and said, boy, your shoes are wore out. Now, most of you young people don't understand this, but the older people in here do. I used to have to put cardboard in my shoes. Didn't y'all ever have to put cardboard in your shoes because the bottom done wore out? He said, Grandma looked over and said, son, your shoes are wore out. I said, I want you to go down to the country store a couple of miles away and tell Mr. Jones, I believe was his name, that he give you a pair of shoes and I'll be down there in a couple of weeks to pay you. He said, you don't know where I come from. You don't, you don't, you, that kind of stuff doesn't happen. You better, you, when you go to the store, you better have some money in your pocket. And he said, but I stood there sort of sheepish and looking at Grandma, but Grandma had a broom in her hand, and I knew if I didn't do what she said, I was fixing to meet the wrong end of it. <clears throat> so he said, I took off, and I walked down to the store. When I got down to the store, I walked in, and sort of just standing around, sheepish, and said, a man walked over and said, uh, son, can I help you? He said, uh, well, my grandmother told me to come down here and uh, you'd give me a pair of shoes and she'd be down here in a couple of weeks to pay you. He said, well, pray tell, young man, who's your grandmama? And he said, I told him her name. And he said, yes, sir. You walk right back in the back area. That young lady would get you a pair of shoes. See, his grandmother had something that we've lost in this world today. He, she's had, she had something. These men that went up there that pledged their lives to each other, pledged their fortunes. They had something that we've lost and it's desperately needed in the world today. And it's one of the major reasons why the prison population has exploded over these last number of decades, last three or four decades. And it's found in Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs 22 and verse 1. I always like to put these on so people know I'm actually reading it. And I can't see it without them. A good name, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor rather than silver and gold. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. A good name. You know what's wrong with the world today? What's why our prison population is exploding across the country? Our name. What does your name mean today? When somebody hears your name, oh, most of the people I talk, when I'm talking to them, in the, oh, well, he's just a convict. Well, today they're not convicts. For a while they were convicts. When, some of you may find it's hard to believe, but I got saved while I was in the penitentiary. I know it's hard to believe because I'm so sweet, kind of lovable looking, but it's never been, that, it hadn't always been that way. But anyhow, 
Some of them, well, they're, they want to put a name, but they're convicts or they're offenders or they're inmates. Anybody here know a drug addict? Y'all, we all do. You know somebody that's, that's uh, well, they're just a thug. They're just a drunk. They're, we, want to, we put names on people all the time. Everywhere you go, there's names. We have names. What does your name mean? What does our name mean? See, our family name means something. Most of you heard me share a little bit of this, but I grew up in a major metropolis. It was a little bit bigger than Halifax. I know it was because we, y'all got a stoplight down here now, though, or stop, y'all got a four-way stop. Stoplight? Whew, then y'all, y'all up with Weaver now. <laughs> See, I knew Weaver was a growing community where I grew up because we had to put a, they had to put a second stoplight down by the elementary school. But somebody took a 12-gauge shotgun and blew the bottom half of it off. They fixed it, and they blew it off again, and they took that as a town vote. They wanted a blinking light down there. <laughs> but I grew up in this little small town, and uh, as I shared in Sunday school, do you know everybody knows everything about everybody in Halifax? Some of y'all look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. But in Weaver, Alabama, everybody knew more. They, they knew about my, about my family than we knew about our family. And people shared it. And so there was a lot to share. Because, see, my father was a town drunk. Now, we want to put nice, clean names on things today. We all, you know, we're back to that name. You know, people want to say, well, he's, they're an alcoholic. No, the Bible says they're drunkards. Oh, well, they're not having, they're not committing adultery. They're just having an affair. Oh, they're not homosexual. They're just gay. We want to put nice, clean names on. But, you know, sin is sin. Amen? Sin is sin. Amen? It's just sin. It's just saying, and Jesus saves. We've talked about that a whole lot. You know what? We've got to have, we've got to put clear, crisp names on what things are. And in my, when I grew up in Weaver, Alabama, my family name was not very good. My father was a professional drunk. When he got drunk, he stayed that way for months at a, at a time. And he, didn't, he didn't sober up. My tw- he and my twin brother both drank themselves to death. Some of you in this room, you've had some relatives like that. Our name was not very good. Our name. When people heard Sim's name, any of y'all ever saw the movie Casablanca? Remember when uh, Rick the cop would go into Louis' bar and, and uh, casino, and after a little bit, he would turn around and look and say, Go round up all the usual suspects. Well, in Weaver, Alabama, something happened. You know who the usual suspects were? Me and my brothers. You know why? Because we generally did it. And if we didn't do it, we knew who did do it within 24 hours. We had that name. What does our name mean? What does our name mean? I woke up one day sitting in jail. I'd been down. I'd been in jail for about two years. Bad to wake up when you've been down for two years. And I looked around. I actually did. I, this, is, this is verbatim. I looked around and I said, you know, this was not in the game plan. After two years. And I reached out and said, Lord, something's got to change. And you know what? They sang a song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. I went to church. They sang a song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And I looked down and I said, Lord, save me a sinner. And you know what he did? There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. I got a new name. 
got a new name. Well, folks, see, that's what we try to do, is tell people how to get a new name, a redeemed name, a name that's written down in glory. Oh, folks, but we've got to reach out and touch people. We've got to reach out and touch people. Do you have a name of somebody that cares? I know this church cares. This church has helped missionaries and helped us for many, many years. But do you have a personal name of somebody that cares? See, people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. You can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you don't really care about somebody and the people really believe you, the people really believe you when you say what you say. Folks, what does our name mean? What does our name mean? A good name. See, folks, we've lost it. This country right here. People used to buy things. I had a t farmer tell me down in Pennsylvania County. Well, a, 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 the lady, his wife worked at the, he was a farmer, but his wife worked at the feed and grain place. And they said, you know, years ago, Farmers would come in here, they'd get their fertilizer, they'd get their seeds, they'd get parts for the tractors, they'd get this. At the end of the year, they just come paid it. What do you got to do today? You got to sign your name with 4,000 notarized pieces of paper. People used to buy things on a handshake. One guy told me, he said, you know, I had a piece of property for sale and I talked to a guy and we made a deal and used to, he said, you just go down to the courthouse and pull the deed and just sign it over and just do a little changing on it. They didn't have to have 45 notarized and you didn't have to have surveys and you didn't have to have this and didn't have to have that. And he said, I got down, got, he got down to the courthouse and a man asked him what he was doing. He said, well, I'm selling a piece of property to so-and-so. And he said, well, how much did you get for it? You know, he, said, well, he told him, he said, well, Lord, I'd have gave you a lot more than that. What would the average person do? They'd stop and say, well, hold it here. I might get more money for this. He said, no, sir. He said, I can't do that. I shook hands with that man. See, his word meant something. Young people today don't believe what we say. They don't believe what we say. So many young people, they don't believe what we say. How many, and if there's anybody in here that is, that is one, I feel, I'm sorry. How many politicians can you believe? I'm serious. How many politicians can you believe? Very few. Sometimes we go and we don't know who, do, who, 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 if we stop and think about it, what have we taught our young people? What are we, ta what are we teaching these kids in school? Used to we had some standards in school. Used to we had standards in school. I knew when I got, when I messed up in school, my, my teacher knew who my, mama's, my mama was. And one or two of y'all in here probably had some of your teachers call your mama and tell on you. And I mean, and I knew what was going. I knew what was going to happen. There was no debating whether I was right or wrong. When I was out in the community, I knew I knew better that, that, that anybody in the community I was out running around with with, uh, with their kids. If I got in trouble at, at, at somebody's house, I was I was I was going to get a whipping right there. And you did not want to get a whipping at Miss Thompson's house. I mean, that wasn't a whipping. That was a whooping. And there is a difference. And there is a difference. Folks, we've lost it. We have desperately lost it. We've got people that don't even know what their name means. We've got people that, 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 that oh, as we stop and, and just begin to grasp a little bit of this, 
Our young people don't believe us when we tell them something. The average young person, I've, I've, I'm, I'm going to use an example right now that if my daughter was here, she'd get mad at me. My, I, my oldest daughter, I love her to death. But she threatens her kids all the time. Threatens them. Threatens them. Some of you in here know exactly what I'm talking about. You, got some, you know why we worry about our grandkids? Because we know who's raising them. That'll sink in here in a minute. <coughs> I told my daughter, I said, don't you be threatening the boys. She's got four boys. I mean, she's she got four boys. I said, Lord, you better, you better tighten up on them. And when you tell them something, you better mean it. Because they don't believe her now. They don't believe her. She has a name of not following through. We've got names out here. All of us do. And that's one of the reasons that young people don't believe us. See, my mother told me, she said, Gary, don't go out here and do the things that your uncles are doing, that your daddy's doing. But I didn't believe her. I really didn't. I didn't believe her. And I hate to say that. That bothers me. That bothers me deeply. I didn't believe her. And I took off and did what she told me not to do. Folks, and then my mama, she began to pray for me. She began to pray for me. Even though I was doing, and she said, Gary, I will not. I will not come and get you out of jail. And you know what I found out? I didn't believe her there for a long time. But after I sat in jail for several days, you know what I found out? Mama meant what she said. She meant what she said. Mama stayed home and she cried. She, she hurt her bad. But she said, I will not. You're wasting your dime calling me. It was a dime back in. You're wasting your dime calling me. Do we mean what we say? Oh, yeah. My mother loved me. She wanted to help me. And when I got my life right, she was there. Oh, I knew that she was. But, folks, we got to tell the truth. The truth will set you free. There's a lot of young people out here. A lot of young You know what's wrong with the schools today? A young lady asked me that a while ago. We've got people that they don't believe us. They don't believe us anymore. What does your name mean? What does your name mean? Colossians chapter 3 verse 17 says, Do all you do in the name of Jesus. Do you represent the name of Jesus? See, when I, got, when I, when I cried out and said, Lord, save me a sinner. Save me a sinner. I got a new name. That new name was written down in glory. I got that new name, and I began to look around and say, Lord, you know, I want to do, do all that I do in the name of Jesus. Do our children believe us? Do the children out in the world, do they believe you when you tell them something? Do your grandkids believe you when you tell them something? Young folks, I want to challenge you right now. Guard your name. Guard your name. Once you lose it, once you lose it, it's hard to get back. Young ladies, guard your name. Young men, guard your name. It carries more value right here. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Your name's valuable. Your name is valuable. But so many people would say, well, you know, if I... If I would you lie for a million dollars? You said you get a lot of young people together. Would you tell a lie for a million dollars? A lot of young people say yes. A lot of older people say yes. I'd tell a lie for a million dollars. But then you're known as what? You're known as a liar. 
for the rest of your life. Well, I can repent. Yes, I can. But the Bible tells us when we do something and we know what we're doing. How many people do you know that would tell the truth? The truth. The truth to you. Folks, that's what we try to do in the jails. A lot of people don't want to hear what I've got to say. They don't want to hear what I've got to say. Any of y'all ever been cussed out? I'm not about cussed out for telling the truth. Oh, I have. I cussed a lot of people out for telling the truth. There's an old man and old woman used to come in that jail. I mean, a lot of the average preacher come through with a tie on like me and cleaned up, dressed up, about one good cussing, they ain't coming back down there. They get, you know, we as Christians, we get our feelings hurt way too easy. I mean, a good cussing ain't going to hurt you. Everybody already get cussed out about once a week. It's good for you. It'll keep you humble. <laughs> because in reality, when you touch somebody and it hurts, what do they do? They holler. Woo, that hurts. Don't do it. And that's, why, that's all they're doing. People used to come in there and tell me the truth. And I would holler and I'd scream. But, I, but I, that guy's got to, you know, and, and, but you know, I could cuss most of them out and I would run them off. And you know what? I said, they don't really believe what they're doing. The average, the, the average person, they don't believe what they're doing. They don't really, you know, they, 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 they don't have a name of being somebody that's consistent. Do you really believe that the gospel can set somebody free? Do you really believe the gospel can set Well, when you reach out and touch somebody and they holler and scream at you, you say, whoo, I'm sorry. You're just going to need to go back up and go get some of that gospel saved and rub it on it for a little while. Pray over it for a little while. And then go on back down there. Go on back down there and talk to them again. And let them know. I could run the, I could run the average preacher off in jail. I could run them all off. I mean, except for Mr. and Miss Paul. He stuttered real bad and she sang off key. I mean, it was terrible. <laughs> it, was, it was awful. It really was. But every week, that old man would come down there and he would stutter through a service and they, would, they was just a sweet couple. And they would, they would do what the, the, present the gospel. And I would generally stay down in my cell while they were down talking to the guys in the bullpen. Every week that old man looked down that hall and he would say, you know, there's a great big old bass laying down there. Got a big mouth on him. I had a mouth on me, goodness gracious. Any of y'all run across any big mouth teenagers lately? That was me. I, had, I mean, I had a bulldog mouth on a chihuahua rump. I mean, I ran that thing at everybody. <clears throat> that old man would come back down there and he'd talk to me about the Lord. And I'd get that old man so upset, he'd go off shaking. I mean, I talked to him ugly. But the next week, you know what he did? He came back. He came back for another cussing. And you know what, that old man? I said, you know what, that old man really believes in what he's doing. He believes in what he's saying. That old man really believes it. He confirmed his convictions in my head. See, that old man had a good name. He had a name. As Job, Job, Job going through a lot of problems, and old Satan going to and fro, accusing the brethren. Job chapter 1 and verse 8, the Lord looked over 
and said, Have you considered my servant Job? Job had a good name. Job had a name. See, folks, why am I sharing this for you? Because there's not one of us in this room that you don't know somebody that's headed to prison, headed to jail, or headed to hell. Is your name good enough to go and talk to them? See, do you really believe who you are and what you are? Are you a child of the king? Child of the king. Folks, someday when I get to heaven, I want to hear a well done, that good and faithful servant. But I also like to think that the Lord can look down and say, have you considered my servant Gary? I don't think I'm there yet. Because I'm still, God's still working on me. He really is. Hey, some folks can get right up under my skin. <laughs> and some of y'all looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. They really can. I can go into the jails and some of them can get right up under my skin. And you can see it. And I'd stop and say, Lord, help me. Lord, let my name mean something. You want to impact the jails and prisons? Redeem your name. Redeem your name. Redeem your name. Let it mean something. Folks, when I got saved, I looked around and said, you know, I've got to redeem my family name. I've got to redeem my name. And a man came in and told me a story. He told it as true. I don't know if it is or not. He said, but there's, there was a couple of young men over in Victorian England. Now hang with me, and I promise I'll shut up here in just a minute. Over in Victorian England, that they got caught stealing sheep. And used to, they would brand you. After they would put a brand on you, and they branded them right on their head. ST stood for sheep thief. Sheep thief. They brand. You know, everybody's in jail or prison right now. They got a brand on them. I mean, they're a convict. They're an offender. They're an inmate. They're something. They're a drug addict. They're drunk. They're this. They're that. We all got a brand on us somewhere. And they branded these boys with an ST on their head. Stood for sheep thief. And one of the brothers got saved while he was there. And he said, you know what? I've got to go home and try to redeem my name. Got to try to redeem my name. But a lot of people will say, well, no, I'm going to go to a new area. I'm going to go to Philadelphia. I'm going to go to whoever. I'm going to get a brand new start. You can't run from your past. You cannot run from your past. And this one brother said, I'm taking off. I'm going there. They said the brother that didn't get saved that took off he was going to London. He was going to start a new life. He lived in and out of flop houses, and he died as a drunk, and, and, and it was just life was a mess, always trying to live down who he was. But the other brother went back home, and when he got back home, sure enough, a lot of people gave him a hard time because he was a thief. He was a thief. I mean, we are, you know, people got to own up to what they were. And when he got back home, People gave him a hard time. But they said over the years that he became known as one of the most trusted and honored men in all of the community. They said he would not go to sleep at night if he owed anybody anything. He would walk miles to pay a debt because he was afraid he would die and somebody would have in his sleep and somebody would have something bad to say about his name. When he died... 
You know how the men are standing outside sometimes talking, the ladies are in the kitchen taking care of the family and getting meals and stuff together. One of the young men came up and was talking, but his older men were talking, and he said, you know, I have always sort of wondered, but I didn't have the nerve to ask, what did that ST branded on that man's forehead stand for? And one of the older men looked over at him, and he said, son, I don't really know, but I guess it stood for saint. He changed a sheep thief into a saint. See, that's what we're trying to do in the jails and prisons. Try to tell people how to redeem their name. Redeem their name. To change a drug addict into a saint. To take a drunk, turn it into a saint. To take a prostitute, turn her into a saint. To take, oh, a thief, turn them into a saint. It's all by the power of the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. There's great power in the name of the Lord. Over in the book of Luke chapter 10, verse 20, it tells us, tells us that we have great power. We have great power in the name of Jesus. We can tread on serpents. We can tread on serpents. We've got that kind of power. But it says rejoice not in that kind of power, but rejoice that your name your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. In the Lamb's book of life. In order to redeem our name, our name must be written in the Lamb's book of life. They didn't ask me, but I'm sure I'm glad they sang all the songs they did about Jesus saves, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Yours. Yours. What does your name mean? When somebody hears your name, do they say, that's a Christian? That person right there, that person cares. Folks, I've been around a lot of Christians in my life. I was at a church a little while back. And I swear, everybody in that church looked like they'd been sucking on a persimmon for a couple of weeks. What does that say about them? What does that say about them? You know, if we're saved and we know it, some people need to tell their face. I mean, they need to tell your face. I mean, if you're saved and you know it, you ought to have a little joy in your life. Or do we have the name of just being old sourpuss. Well, I'm, I'm, my name's written in heaven. Well, if it is, Lord, I don't I mean, You need to put a little sugar on that. <laughs> What's your name mean? So that's what we try to do. Is we try to, I try to ask the guys and the girls, what's your name mean? What does your name mean? Oh, a lot of guys used to tattoo it on their arm, born loser. No, you're not. That's not. Oh, you're not. What does it mean? What does it mean to redeem your name? See, I know what God did for me. And I try to tell some others. I try to guard my name. When somebody hears your name, what do they think? Our name. Lord, I come praying right now from the depths of my heart and soul. 
Lord, that you'll help us as we reach out to a lost and dying world. And God, so many people, they don't have to be locked up to be in prison. People in prison of pride, greed, anger, alcohol, drugs. Oh, they're locked up long before. They're in prison long before they get locked up. And Lord, I pray that each person here will have a name that they care for that person. Most of us in this room know of somebody immediately, right now, that's already in the prison of alcohol or drugs, anger, bitterness, hatred, lust, greed. They're already in prison. Lord, help us to have the name of somebody that wants to reach out and touch that person. To give them true freedom. Freedom that can only come by the power of God. Lord, help all of us to reach out. Lord, as I go into the jails and prisons, Lord, help me to adequately convey the freedom that is found in Christ. Lord, let my name be that of one that the men can look over. Let my countenance be one that people can look over and say, He cares. He cares. Oh, Lord, let us have a name. Lord, you had great compassion. When people heard your name, they knew the compassion, the strength, the conviction that came by the name of Jesus. Does the name of Jesus, does it shine in our lives? Lord, help me as I shine my lights into the prisons. Lord, I pray for the staff here at your church with your people. God, help them to shine that light out across this community. Lord, let your name your name be glorified. Father, help us not to be ashamed of the gospel, for it is the gospel that brings people to Christ. So I thank you, Lord, for this powerful message which hits home. And help us, Lord, to share our story, our faith, with those who are around us that so desperately need to be changed from darkness to light. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Take your hymn books and we'll close with hymn number 483. Hymn number 483, We Have a Story to Tell to the Nations. A story that will turn their hearts to the right. Let's sing this together. We've a story to tell the nation that shall turn their hearts to the right. A story of truth and mercy, a story of peace and life, a story of peace and life. For the darkness shall turn dawning 
and the dawning to noonday bright, and Christ's great kingdom shall come to earth, the kingdom of love and life. We've a song to be sung, the nations that shall lift their hearts to the Lord, a song that shall conquer evil and shatter the spear and sword, and shatter the spear and sword. For the darkness shall turn to dawning, and the dawning to noonday bright, and Christ's great kingdom shall come kingdom of love and light. We've a message to give the nations that the Lord reigneth above hath sent us his Son to save us and show us that God is love and show us that God is love for the darkness shall turn <coughs> the dawning to noonday bright and Christ's great kingdom shall come to earth kingdom of love and life we've a storm to sail to the nations the path of sorrow hath trod that all of the world might come to the truth of God, might come to the truth of God, for the darkness shall turn dawning, and the dawning to noonday bright, and kingdom of love and light. Father, we thank you so much for salvation. Salvation, Lord, that brings life. Salvation, Lord, that brings hope. Father, give us a passion for those people around us that have no hope. But Father, we know that hope is only possible through Christ. So help us, Lord, to share with others what someone has shared with us, the great hope that Jesus saves. Father, I thank you for this ministry of Gary Sims and Hope Aglow, this ministry over the years that have changed lives, changed the hearts of people who desperately, desperately needed hope. Continue to use them. Continue to give Gary strength to continue on. Father, again, we thank you for the great message of Jesus that brings salvation to the hearts of man. We thank you for our good time this morning. Lord, we have felt your presence, your power. Father, as we leave here, we leave a changed people. For, Father, we have been in touch with the living 
and written word of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Please.